Ray Bench is president and founder of Many Waters International Ministries. He's preached in, in places all over, the, all over the world. And let me tell you this, you know, there's a lot of different kind of personalities, or a lot of different people. God uses all kinds of different people in the body of Christ. This man, uh, we've known him for many, many years. We've known him for a couple of decades now through the different work that he has been doing. He's a man of such integrity and yet such humility. Uh, he won't tell you what a great guy he is. So I'm going to tell you what a great guy he is. Um, but I just I want to encourage you to just really open your hearts, listen to anything he's got to say, because uh, it's going to be a blessing to Generations Church. I know it will. So ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big Generations kind of welcome to Brother Ray Bench. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah, everybody. Isn't Jesus good? Amen. Wow. It's a big church. Hallelujah. I just fall over in the Holy Ghost. Will you take over? And... Amen. Aren't you glad to be a Christian? Amen. Praise God. Everybody getting organized. Did you bring a Bible this morning? Praise God. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to get into the scriptures. The title of my message this morning, I call it Faith at Jericho's Wall. Having faith at Jericho's Wall. Just going to kind of relax and enjoy. Good to see the mighty Cliff family over here. Zach used to, amen. Give them a good hand clap. Praise God. I don't know where Tommy and Rhonda went off to, but they're around here somewhere. Uh, Zach and my son Nathan kind of, there's, hey Rhonda, hadn't seen you. Zach's little brother. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. But my son Nathan and Zach used to run around quite a bit when they were up in our area in Michigan, um, back when they used to be tough enough for winners. Amen. But I, you know, I personally, I'm going to tell you, I like Texas because Texas is one of the few states keeping this nation straight. Hallelujah. I like Texas. <laughs> Y'all are mouthy and I like your mouth. Praise God. And I've learned, I've learned too, the plural of y'all is all y'all. <laughs> so I'm getting acclimated down here. Praise God. So it's good to be here. Um, I brought some CDs with me if you'd like to purchase those. And I did just, the Lord blessed me, I was able to get a, a, my own CD copier and printer. So I'm in the process of transitioning over, which is another word for saying I'm reading the manuals to see what in the world I've bought. <laughs> and I'm figuring that all out, which probably means I'll have to get a 12-year-old to sort it out for me. But <laughs> either way, you know how it goes. Um, so I, I, but the CDs that I have, I have back there if you'd like to get one. Um, I just asked $7 for a CD. And then I have a, an envelope back there. I just, the, I don't have a partner's program, per se, as some traveling ministries do. But I, I tell you what the Lord really did deal with my heart on is um, I, I still own and operate a business, what I, which I do in between when I'm preaching, because I just haven't had enough to get, um, you know, things off the way that I wanted to. And consequently, I don't know why, it seemed like everywhere I went for a while, somebody gave me a Pentecostal handshake would be $20. And I'm grateful, don't get me wrong, it's just, you know, it takes more than $20 to get through your week, how about you, amen? And, and you're not ungrateful, but, I, and I said to the Lord in prayer, I said, you know, God, I'm, thank you. But it's going to take a lot more than this to really, he said, then why don't you go get it? I said, I can do that. 
And so I started a program, I just call it March Through the Darkness with, with Joshua, you know, and he went on the road during the dark, the middle of the night. You know, the church, everybody's walking around talking about what a bad day it is, how dark it is. If you sit here and keep complaining that it's nighttime, you're never going to get anywhere in God. Amen. You better pack your bags and get to the battlefield, praise God. And when you get there, the Bible says the Lord sent ambushments and the Lord sent hail and more died from the hail than they did by the sword that Joshua had. But if you just sit there and keep complaining because it's dark, you're just going to sit here. I know you don't know anybody like that, but just stretch your imagination. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and so it, there's envelopes back there at my CD table. If you'd like to, just grab one. All I ask is sometime in the next 12 months, send me 20 bucks. That's not a big push for anybody. I don't know what that breaks out to, $1.25 or something a month. Uh, just 20 bucks, that's all I'm asking. And I'm believing the Lord that I'll have enough people that will join in on that, that'll help carry me over and I can get out of my business and just preach the gospel, amen? So that's, that's my faith, and that's all I'm asking people to do. Um, getting back to what we're going to talk about here, Joshua 6, I'm going to read you two verses, and then um, I, I, you can write these down, but I don't want to necessarily go to them just for the sake of time. Proverbs 22:29 has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Of course, you know I'm a preacher, so every verse is my favorite verse, whichever I'm preaching on at the time. But it says this, it says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? Work is in the Bible. It's not a cuss word, work. He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I'm going to read it again, but... Um, the new or King James uses the word diligent. Do you see a man who is diligent in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. You might not have the job you want. Maybe you're living in what you would consider the basement. But if you don't give excellence to the job you have, you'll stay in that basement for a long, long time. Sooner or later, you better get on the elevator and ride it up a floor. Amen. That's through your, your hard work. People around you begin to see. That's what happened for Joseph. Everywhere he landed, he put, it, he put his, his hands to the plow, and he landed in Potiphar's house, and when he landed in, in the prison, he got busy. He didn't just sit there and complain. He got busy doing something, and as a result, it gave God a way to lift him up to where God wanted him to be. Can you say amen? If you just sit there and complain all the time, get, get used to the basement, because you're going to be there a while. Amen? And then Proverbs 37, 23 says this. It says, the steps of a good man, say that it be me, are ordered of the Lord and he delights in his way. So the Bible's teaching us that, God, if you're being led of the Holy Spirit, not doing the Jonah thing, but if you're being led of the Holy Spirit, God ordered your steps. So can we all agree that God ordered you towards victory, not towards defeat? Isn't that good? Amen. Uh, he's not somebody playing a cruel joke on you. Hallelujah. Like friends I used to have. Amen. We'll keep going. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1. This is Joshua. They come out of the, they come out of the, the wilderness 40 years. Moses, you know, was a great pastor. They, have, they had, you know, they left Egypt, type and shadow of the world. They got out of Egypt. And for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness all the people who didn't believe have, have moved on, passed away. And now here they come into the promised land. And this is Joshua. This is his first real test as their new pastor, their leader. Amen. Now, when you follow Moses, 
who has bread falling out of the sky. He has fire at night keeping the people warm. He has a cloud during the day keeping them cold. He has water coming out of the rocks. And you're the assistant pastor taking over. You better bring your A game. (laughs) Brother, these people are used to a little something. Can you say amen? Joshua picks it up here in chapter 6 of verse 1. And now Jericho was securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, no one went out, say no one. And no one came in, say no one. Sounds like a bad bank account. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. Verse 1, and no one went out and no one came in. See, I have given, Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hand, its mighty man of valor. Now, if I was Joshua, the first thing I would have said, is that right? Do they know that? Because on top of that wall is a whole army of people standing there with spears and and knives and bows and arrows and at least chewing tobacco to spit at him and whatever they could muster to kill this man. Because they saw him coming out of the desert. I don't know about you. I I only know my my story. I was asking the Lord about this. And I've asked the Lord... 10,000 questions, Pastor. Last week, 10,000 questions. (laughs) No answer. He began to talk to me about this verse. He said this to me. He said, son, do you know what made this look like a good idea? I said, no, sir. He said, nothing. There ain't one thing about this that makes this look like this is a good idea. Nothing. This wall, no matter how you study it out, is somewhere between 12 to 15 feet high. It is wide enough that they can have chariot races on top, so it's six to nine feet thick. There's an entire army on top of it. And as far as Joshua can see that way, and as far as Joshua can see that way, everything he sees looks impossible. But God said, take it. Have you been there before? So here stands Joshua with a million people behind him, two million eyeballs staring at him, assuming nobody's (laughs) cross-eyed. Took a while for the right side to get that. (laughs) But in, in doing that, he realizes these people, they're used to the power of God walking with Moses. And God gives him this plan. He says, you shall march around this city, all you men of war. This you shall do around the city for six days. Now, what have they been doing for the last 40 years in the wilderness? You know, human nature is people like a little something different on occasion. But sometimes your answers aren't in doing something you've never done. They're in doing what you've always done. Sometimes your answers are in coming to prayer even though you've been praying and praying. Sometimes your answers are in the tithe, though you've been tithing and tithing and giving and giving. Sometimes your answers are in the consistency of sticking with what God told you to do. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't do what he had never done. He did what he always did. He knelt down and he cried out to the Father, My God, you've got to help me to get through these next few days. The same thing is true with you and I. Don't let let the devil talk you out of what God has always used. 
the house of God, the local church, the altars of God, the man of God, the word of God that comes through his heart and through his lips to you, that's where your answers are. It's not in coming up with some weird new doctrine nobody's ever heard of before. Amen? I told one guy, I said, well, that's so new, not even God's heard that one before. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and they go on and, and they continue to march. Go with me, if you would, to the New Testament. We're going to find a story real similar to this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. The Bible says this, And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. But when he was with the... Sorry, when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now evening had come and he was alone, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Say middle. middle. It's a key word in that, in that sentence. For the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I. And Peter, don't you love Peter? He's the mouthy one of the group. You probably don't have anybody like that in this church, but hallelujah. Peter answered, don't all point at somebody next to you. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if that is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said to him, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, if that had been me, I'd have said, I doubted because there's 12-foot waves. I've never done this before in my life. I have no idea what I'm doing out here. That's why I sank. I know that some preachers put the disciples down in the Bible. Let me help you. I haven't cleared the bathtub yet. I'm not putting Peter down because he didn't make the Sea of Galilee. How about you? Amen. I, I was in Israel a couple years ago. I tried it. It doesn't work anymore. Amen. Unless you know something I don't, God turned it off. It says, and then they doubted. You know, he, they said, truly, you are the son of God. I guess so. Again, I was asking the Lord about this because Peter was a fisherman before he got into the ministry. This wasn't his first time on the Sea of Galilee. He grew up on that sea. He was on that thing nearly every day of his life. Certainly, over the course of those years, he had been in a storm or six every few years. Wouldn't you think so? Think about your environment. Certainly, there are certain things that are recurrent. I know the floodwaters are now, but there's other things that just, amen? Hurricanes and whatnot. Up in Michigan, we have the snow. And, you know, what do you do in the snow? Well, which one do you want to know about? Some lady talked to me the other day. She said, well, you know, a cold is really just a bacteria. It's not weather-related. I said, go put your head in the freezer. <laughs> Tell me if your nose runs. Somewhere around five below zero, it's going to run. You keep that theory you've got. You're so smart. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, now this is a seasoned fisherman. This is no beginner. In the middle of, of a miracle, 
with great signs and wonders, great power of God happening, how in the world did he go from such faith to getting into fear? I said, this must have been an incredible storm, maybe like a hurricane type thing. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, he said the storm wasn't so bad, I walked on it for miles. I said, say that again? I never heard anybody teach that. He said, the storm wasn't so bad, I walked on it for miles. So I went back to where it says that he was now in the middle of the sea. The Sea of Galilee is seven miles one way by 13 miles the other way. No matter how you cut it halfway out, he's three and a half to five miles out there, maybe four before he gets to the sea. That's when the Lord began to deal with me. He said, son, the hard part isn't getting in faith. The hard part is staying in faith. People can get into faith. They get out of the boat. But staying in faith when everything you've ever been taught says this won't work, but God told you to do it. That's what separates the men from the boys, if I can say it that way. That's where we're going to find it. Hey, what's harder, getting married or staying married? (laughs) Not looking at anybody, especially right in here. Getting married takes a lot of work. You got you to brush your teeth. You got to comb your hair. You got to go clean your car. It's got to smell just right. Can't smell like it does when your friends are coming back from the softball game. You, you got to get your act together. You got to think before you talk. That can take a lot for a guy. Get your foot out of your mouth. Hallelujah. But I tell you what, you're going to stay married. You're going to die a thousand times. Because you're not going to get your way. What's harder, getting a house or keeping one for 30 years so you can pay it off? Or 20 or whatever you do. Getting it takes a great deal of effort. The bank wants this information and that. And they don't want to know, is that a loan or was that a gift? Did you earn that? How did you get it? I didn't even know I had this credit card anymore. And suddenly they find it. <laughs> right? But That's not as hard as over... The months, when the economy's up and when the economy's down, and when the economy's up and when the economy's down, to still keep coming up with that money and staying in faith, not just starting in faith, staying there. Same thing is similar when you pledge to a building program or you pledge to give something to the church and it takes you a season to believe it in. God really did speak to you to give that amount, but you have to faith it in. You have to continue to live in faith when this looks good and when this doesn't, when this is up and when this is down, and to stick with your leadership and believe they walk with God when you see good times and when you see dark times. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, when Elijah was on top of the Mount Carmel and he was praying for rain, remember he had to pray seven times for the rain to come? I've always looked at that as, though what a great man of God that prophet was, but then I began to realize what a great man of God that helper was. Because he didn't see what his pastor saw. He had to trust that his pastor was hearing from God. For a season, you understand? That, that prophet had earned the right to be trusted. That takes a while. When you don't see what they see, you don't understand, you're not seeing the results, but yet you know, I can trust this guy. He really does walk with God. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, as we say. You have to do that with your parents. Oh, man, when I was 18, I thought my dad was the biggest fool in the world. I like what Mark Twain said. He said, by the time I turned 25, my dad had learned a lot. (laughs) 
Amen. And on and on these things go. The, the hard part isn't getting in faith, it's staying there. Now, I don't know, everybody's got a family. My family is so stubborn, we give mules lessons on how to be stubborn. Mules come to our family reunions to take notes. <laughs> if, this, if this had been my family, because you know Peter's brother Andrew, he's still in the boat. My mom would have stuck up and said, oh, Ray, why, why you got to get out of the boat? Why can't you be like Andrew? Look how nice Andrew's sitting in the boat. He's not causing any trouble. <laughs> Little pretty Andrew, hair's all straight, nothing's out of place. Why you got to get so carried away? Why you got to give in every offering? Just give once in a while in the offerings. You going to church again? Weren't you just at church last week? Oh, are you kid? Don't stare at me. Like, you don't, you don't know those kind of, are you kidding me? I, I have family members who, we have Thursday night church. Have for, I've been there in our church since 1987. I still get calls Thursday nights at 7 o'clock asking, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing the same thing I've been doing half my life. I'm 53. I've been there 30 years in the same church. Take a hint. You're killing me, Smalls. I, I'm always, I'm every Thursday, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, I've been doing the same thing for forever. What are you doing? Hanging up on you, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you know what Peter's really wa- walking on? He's walking on the word Come. God told him to do something, and when nothing else said it would work, he learned that he could rely on what Jesus Christ told him to do. That if he would still act on that one simple command, that God would show up. When everything pointed and said this won't work, God's word was still true. What did Joshua learn standing there at Jericho's wall that day when everything looked like this isn't going to work, but God told him to take it? that the word of God was greater than every obstacle that said it wouldn't work, that in that word, it had the ability to make things work for him. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55, if you would, and we're going to kind of launch from here, if I can say it that way. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down in the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it. Say make it. it. They, They enable, they empower, they make it. Bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread. See, you don't have to make it work. The The word of God gives it the power or the energy to make it work. Whatever your obstacle is, your Jericho's wall, what gets you through, I'm all for an education, but Joshua's education didn't get him through the wall. Peter's knowledge of the sea didn't get him through the waves and the wind. It was the word of God that got him through these things. It takes all of that, but above and beyond, it takes the power of God in addition to all of these things. Can you say amen? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish... It shall accomplish. Say accomplish. God's not into part way. God's into a full accomplishment. Hallelujah.
what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Whatever God said to you, you can write it down. It will work for you. It might not work overnight, but it will work for you. It will help you get from A to B where you need to be. Can you say amen? I like to say there's no time limit on it. It didn't expire back in the 80s when the faith movement was working, and now God shut it off. It's still working today. Can you say amen? Amen. This this word, we're going to study this out in a couple other places. This word is what all these men stood on and that got him from place to place. Turn with me, if you would, please, to, to Jeremiah chapter 20. We're going to pick it up here at verse 8. says this, it says, And for when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted violence and plunder, because the word of God was made to me a reproach and a derision. It means every time I preached, people made fun of me. Every time he shared his Christianity, people laughed at him, mocked him. Not that that would ever happen in America, but amen. And it got so bad. Look at verse 9. He says, And then I said, I will not make mention of him anymore, nor speak in his name. Imagine a preacher this strong, walking with God this close, that he gets to the place where he says, that's it, I'm done. Elijah got like that. So that's it, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. God had to find him a replacement. I don't want to be replaced. But it said, in the middle of all of that, it says this, it says that I would not speak anymore in his name, but his word. Say his word. But his word. Say his word. Say his word with me three times. His word, his word, his word. Nothing made this look like a good idea, but his word. Brother Ray, you don't understand, we're in a bad time of economy, but his word. You don't understand what's happening in my family, but his word. What about my healing? His word. My marriage, his word. My children, his word. My church, his word. Clap good if you're going to clap. Hallelujah. Joshua found it out. Nothing made this... None of this looked like a smart idea, but his word was still working. Peter found it out walking on the water when none of this made it look like a good idea. Nobody else was doing this but his church. I've said it many times. It sounds like my pastor. sounds like your pastor. Why has my pastor got to have the water walking ministry? Why can't I be like those other 11 guys sitting in the boat? Why do I got to join the weird church? Nobody else is giving like this, tithing like this. Pastor doesn't, their pastor doesn't have mid, middle of the week services. They all just come and go on a Sunday morning, then go play soccer, take it easy all week. Why do we got to do all these weird things? Because God said. Pastor Scott was talking about the sun 93 million miles away. Do you know why the sun is 93 million miles away? Because God said and I don't care how bad the devil doesn't like it 
He didn't ask him for his opinion. I got another word for you, because in Isaiah 60, it says, Though gross darkness will cover the earth and, and darkness the people, yet you shall arise and you shall shine, and the Gentiles shall come to the light of your glory, and that, that the righteousness of our God will be declared, and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And the devil cannot like it all he wants, but at God's word, these things will be true. We will walk on the water. We will take down Jericho's wall. We will rise and heal the sick and cast out demons and do the work of our God and keep paying for things and doing what God told us. You know why? Because his word makes it work. It can't be stopped. It's impossible. It's literally, absolutely impossible. Brother Ray, don't you realize they're making laws against this and trying to do that? As long as the church stays mouthy, we're all right. If the church gets quiet, look out. But if the church stays mouthy, that's why the devil's trying to back us in the corner right now. Shut us down, make us feel like we're the odd ones. <laughs> Pastor Barclay cracks me up. You know, my pastor is Mark Barclay. He was pumping gas at a gas station a while ago, and the guy at the other side, you know, pumping gas, there's nothing to do. You just stand there, and they, they get talking, and this guy across the way looks at him, and he says, well, what do you do? He says, well, I'm a preacher. The guy looks at him, and he says, well, I don't believe in the Bible. pastor looked at him and said, of course not. You're going to hell. Why would you believe in the Bible? <laughs> People going to hell don't believe in the Bible. Is that politically correct? Not afraid of you. You got demons. Why would I listen to you? You don't know if you're coming or going. You don't know up and down. You don't even know what bathroom to go into. I used to read the verses and wonder why God wrote the Bible the way he did. And so God made them, male and female, male and female, he made them. Why would you repeat that? And here I am in 2016 saying, man, I'm glad you clarified. <laughs> You're going to listen to that? You're going to let that decide your future? Man, I'd rather stand out on the middle of the water because God told me to. And keep trusting him and stay in faith when I don't understand and stay in faith when the man of God says go to the top of the hill, there's a cloud of rain coming, and just keep trusting God because I have seen this work over and over and over and over again. Why did, why did he say, he said, but his word. It was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary of holding it back and I could not for I heard many mocking. Fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watch for my stumbling. Man, do I know those guys. All, <laughs> you, you know, you think sometimes we're the only generations ever dealt with this. All my acquaintances watch 
for my stumbling, saying, perhaps he can be induced and we will prevail against him and he, he, we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord was with me as a mighty awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will... I'm not the stumbler. My persecutors are the stumblers. Hallelujah. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But the Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous and sees the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pledged my cause before you. What's that mean? This was your idea, God. This was you put me up to this. I didn't dream this up one night. Had too much pizza, decided to start in the ministry. He said, but his word began to do in me what nobody else could do. It stood me back up. It put faith in me. It put determination in me. It put a a perseverance in me. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at this at Ezekiel chapter 3. We're going to go over just a couple of books over there to the right. Ezekiel chapter 3. This is God calling Ezekiel into the ministry. 3-4. Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with them my words to them. For you are sent not to a people of unfamiliar speech, but to a people of familiar speech. In other words, God said, I didn't send you on the mission field. You get to the mission field, there's languages to deal with. There's that barrier. He said, I sent you to your own backyard where they, should, they can understand what you have to say clearly. Verse 6, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened. It's amazing, you go on the missions field, you preach Jesus Christ, they say amen, and the, and the government people will come out and be glad to meet you. They're not afraid to be seen with you. A little different here at home. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, there's three guys... Preacher went deer hunt with a couple of his buddies. One was a chiropractor. One was a was a heart doctor, a heart specialist. And deer came out and the, they, while they were all together, and they all pulled up their rifles and shot, and the deer just dropped. So as they were all walking to it, the chiropractor spoke up. He said, "Well, if I hit it, he said, I always go for the spine because I know just how to sever that spine, and it'll drop just like that." And he said, "If we get there and it's in the spine, it's mine." The heart doctor said the same thing. He said, "I always aim for the heart. I know just how to hit it. As soon as I hit it, it's gonna." It'll just drop. He said, we get there and it's through the heart. He said, it's mine. The preacher and them kept walking. They got up to it and they all looked it over and the preacher said, oh, the preacher said, it's mine, guarantee you. He said, how do you know? He said, because it'll in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Hallelujah. Surely if I had sent you to them... They would have listened. Every parent understands that one. But the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me for the house of Israel is a stubborn or impudent or hard-hearted people. Look at verse 8. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your foreheads strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. 
I don't have much time left, so you got to listen quick. About 1986, which seems like yesterday to me, I know it seems like a million years ago to the younger generation now, I had a friend of mine who worked at a temporary job center where they would just send people out for three, four days, maybe six weeks at a time. And whenever she couldn't find anybody, I was always gung-ho for a day's work. So whenever she couldn't find anybody, I wasn't part of their temp group, but I'd, I'd always take work. And I was working my way through school at the time. I was new to the, to the Lord, and, and uh, I worked for this company called Tri-State Oil up in Michigan. They didn't do oil well drilling, but what they would do is if the oil well drill that went down broke, they made equipment they called fishing equipment. They could lower it down into that well hole and hook onto that broken pipe and pull it back up, replace it with a new one, and then go again. We were, we were packing up and loading on these semi-trucks, different what I would call drill casings. that They were probably 30 feet long, and they ranged in size, maybe six inches in diameter up to about a foot and a half. We were getting to the bigger ones, and we were loading them on, and we had cinched them down with the chains. And after we got done, you know, my boss and I were walking, and they were so big, on an average flatbed semi-truck, we could maybe get six on there, and then it would over, overweight it just those six because it was just so, they were so long and so heavy, just solid steel. And, and we were, one of the semis was pulling out onto the main road, black smoke's rolling, he's shifting gears, you know, like crazy, trying to get up to speed. And I looked at my boss and I said, man, that, that metal, that's the toughest thing I've ever seen in my life. He looked at me, he said, that ain't nothing. He took me into where the welder shop was, and the welders used to work behind this little curtain area so that everybody didn't look at the flash. You get a thing called welder's flash, and it's blisters on your eyes. You'll go blind for a few days. So those welders worked in there, and, and the welder was just finishing up, and he pulled back that curtain, and there was a little piece of steel about a foot, maybe a foot and a half in diameter with all kinds of things on the tip of it, I don't know what it made, maybe, weighed maybe 150, 200 pounds. And uh, he said, now that right there is bad to the bone. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I can probably carry one of those. I said, that steel out there, I can't hardly wiggle one end of it. If it started rolling, you just get out of the way because you can't stop it. And he said, that is nothing. This is bad to the bone. I said, no, that is nothing. That steel out there, that is bad to the bone. He said, Ray, sometimes when we go to hook onto a piece of broken uh, drill casing, we can't fish it out. It won't pinch. We can't get it back up out of the hole. I said, well, what do you do? He said, we put one of those little things you think is nothing. We take that and we put it on the end and we will drill through all of that drill casing that's down there to get through it and just it disintegrates all that big stuff you're so impressed with. I said, for how far? He said, sometimes a half mile. I said, that little thing there will go through a half a mile of that? He said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That is nothing. This thing here is bad to the bone. When I look at that Ezekiel verse, and every, that's what God was trying to tell Ezekiel. He said, I don't know who made them, but I made you. I put in you my word. And in that word is the power to drill through everything that they think is so impressive, everything that stops them, holds them back, slows down progress. My word in you 
is enough to empower you to get through whatever that situation is. And that's why God said, so shall my word be. What in that word is enough to do everything we need to do for the rest of our lives. In that word was enough to raise Christ out of the grave. In that word was enough to take Elijah where he needed to be. In that word was enough to make Peter walk on the water. In that word was enough to make Joshua go from the helps person to the head pastor of that church and to take his God's people in where, where Moses hadn't been able to take them. That's what God's saying. So shall my word be. Can you get in what is sitting on your lap? The greatest sword known to mankind, the most powerful weapon known to mankind. It, it, It stops the waters. It halts the sun. It sets the leper free. It cleanses people. It kills diseases. It takes care of discouraged people. It takes the people getting ready to commit suicide and sets them free of that cloud of confusion. And it breaks down Jericho's wall. And when you come in the house of your God, I don't know about you, all week they mock his ways, they take his name in vain, they, they, they don't care if they, stamp, they trample on his things, they mock his tithing and his giving, and they make fun of his preachers and different things, just like this prophet was talking about. But in here and in his house, we worship his name. We give thanks for his kindness and his goodness. In here, he's respected and he's revered. He's honored and he's glorified. Do you know in World War II, there came a time when they were ready to bomb, I believe it was at Normandy's beach, and they were all ready to go, but there was a fog that had moved in, and they weren't able to to do their bombing raids before they could bring the ships in. And the generals put out a word to all of the chaplains saying, we need a prayer to pray that every soldier can pray that will move this fog bank out of the way so we can begin our bombing runs before this opportunity passes us by and the enemy is on to us. So word went out to the chaplains of the day and they wrote, this is all recorded history, and they wrote a prayer and they printed it out and they distributed it to all of the soldiers in the United States military that were there at that invasion And a prayer was prayed in less than 24 hours, the fog lifted. These are recorded truths. Because the word of our God was still true. When General Schwarzkopf got ready to go into the to Kuwait, to liberate Kuwait from the Iraqi army that had overrun it. He, he brought his Bible in and he met with the chaplains the night before and he threw his Bible out on the table and he said to the chaplains, he said, I see in the war manual. And he pointed to his little New Testament Bible. God bless the Gideons. He said, I see in my war manual that when the priests bless the troops, the men don't die. Bless my troops. The Kuwait War went went in history as one of the fastest, swiftest, most aggressive U.S. wars with the fewest casualties in American history. We are not so far gone that God can't turn things around. 
What's it going to take? It's going to take the word of God in your mouth, the word of God in my mouth, coming to a good church, listening to a good pastor, letting him do things, say things, speak to us, put things in us, talk to us. And in that, we can do what other people haven't been able to do. We can achieve what others haven't been able to achieve. We can go and and succeed where other people have broke down and failed. Can you say amen? I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're here and you're standing at Jericho's wall and you need a breakthrough, would you stand up? I want to pray for you this morning. You're here this morning. You say, Brother Ray, that's me. I'm standing here at Jericho's wall. I've been looking at this thing. I need a breakthrough. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. You know, you stare at that wall long enough, you know every block. You know the mortar, you can count the stones, you can you know every door lock where it's at, how it how it how solid it is. But yet God told you to do this. God told you this would work. And you stand there and you say to yourself, you know, God, I just I it's like the Lord told me that day. You know what makes this look like a good idea? Nothing. Look like a whole lot smarter, just turn around and go back home. But God said he'd get us through this. Close your eyes, everybody. If you're seated next to these people, would you just raise your hand out with me? We're going to pray over them. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for your word. At your word, by your word, through your word, because of your spoken word, We have these promises. We have these truths. We have, Lord Jesus, your spirit, your wisdom, your ability. We have been given, Lord Jesus, through you, the ability to take down Jericho's wall. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over my brother and my sister. In the name of Jesus, I call this wall down. I call breakthrough. I call healing. I call miracles. I thank you for a working of miracles. I thank you for a spirit of faith. I thank you for a good testimony, for good answers. Lord, that you, Jesus, you choose to move for us. You're not a reluctant God. You want to help us. I don't know everybody's situation, but Lord, I know you. Some of these have been staring at this wall now for years. It's time, my Lord, for these things to come down. It's time now, Lord Jesus, for these things to come down. Now, if you're standing, you take your finger and you just point it forward right at whatever it is that's in your way. You just picture whatever it is that's in your way. We're going to speak to this mountain. Are you ready? We're, going to, we're just going to call it obstacle, whatever it is. Say, hey, you obstacle. Say it like you mean it. Say, hey, you obstacle. You've been in my way long enough. God's ordered my footsteps. He's ordered me through this path. Now you get out of my way. You get out of my way. You get out of my way. 
You get out of my way. I curse you. I curse no people, but I curse this thing in my way. This demon holding me back. I curse you in Jesus' name. You get out of my way. I am coming through. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a good hand clap, everybody, would you please? Hallelujah, somebody. Said, say hallelujah, somebody. I said, say hallelujah, somebody. Say hallelujah, somebody. Oh, come on, everybody, stand and praise the Lord with me for a minute. Let's just stand and praise the Lord for a minute. Let's just stand and praise the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah to your name, Lord Jesus. Your word was in us like a mighty fire. Your word was in us like a mighty fire. I'm going to read one last verse to you in closing. Just for you to get it in your spirit. Jeremiah 23, 29, he says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. God didn't say that your obstacle wasn't there. He said it doesn't matter. I'm going to smash it to smithereens. And I'm going to get it out of your way. So you can go do what I've called for you to do. Can you say amen? Give the Lord a good hand clap, everybody. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you for your time.